Hello, this is Mike Etto and Steve Carpenter. Welcome to the 19th episode of our podcast, Beer, Baseball, and Binds. We're here in Yakima, and uh, Steve, another hot week. These 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 hundred degree days are. Uh, even I'm wearing a t-shirt today. <laughs> it is going to be 108 degrees today, according to the weatherman. So uh, I've talked to a few growers over the past week or so. Most of the growers are able to keep their hops wet enough because the water supply is uh, adequate this year. But a little bit concerned out there about uh, mite pressure. Uh, I'm seeing the tops of a few yards starting to turn a little bit. And uh, I think growers are really engaged in adjusting their pest control uh, program so that uh, they've timed it so that we can get through harvest with, uh, without having it inequality problems. Is there something about uh, either the heat or just the time of the year or the you know the maturity of the vines that causes mites to come out right now? Is it more or less than normal or how would you describe it? Mites like the dry hot weather. They also like dusty conditions uh, and uh, and uh, if I remember my entomology correctly uh, in my former life as a hop grower that uh, two-spotted mite will go through a complete life cycle from egg to egg laying female in about six days when it's over 100 degrees. So uh, populations can explode fairly quickly and uh, guys are uh, getting geared up to make sure that uh, that doesn't happen. Generally controllable. It is. It is. Okay. You just have to get your your timing right on your sprays. Okay. Uh, Well, Talking about mites is not necessarily a great segue into great beer, but uh, we're we're very pleased today to have Neil Callahan on from Cigar City in Tampa Bay. And uh, Neil, welcome to our podcast. Very excited to be with you guys. I've uh, been looking forward to this all week. Being able to talk beer and baseball is nothing better. I've got uh, I've got the Guayabera uh, Citra Pale Ale, which is just fantastic. And Steve, we've got what the highlight. Hyalai is what I went to. It uh, It's an Indian pale ale, which I always seem to gravitate towards the uh, hop-forward beers for some strange reason. But uh, this is a very nice uh, beer, Neil. Um, I'm picking up maybe a little bit of Simcoe in there. Absolutely. That beer is dry hopped with Simcoe. And just recently we started adding Simcoe in the kettle on that one. So you are 100% correct. And the Simcoe we're using is coming from YCH. We've been really really happy with uh what we've been getting from you guys up in yakima that's um, awesome highlight is heads and shoulders that's our best seller that's really the engine that drives the brewery it is over 60 percent of our production it is actually the number one selling craft six-pack can in grocery stores in the country and wow. we're only in 22 states it's it's an absolute monster for us that's really that's, that's fantastic uh Tell us a little bit about Cigar City. When did you guys uh, start brewing, and uh, how did uh, the highlight come about? We were founded in 2009 by Joey Redner. Joey's a fifth-generation Floridian. He's lived his whole life in Tampa, and he had been involved with the beer industry uh, in the sales capacity before starting the brewery, but he was looking at the Tampa Bay market back in 2009 when we opened up. In the area, the metro area of about 3 million people, there were fewer than five breweries. So we fast forward less than 10 years where we're at now, there's over 60 just in the Tampa Bay area. So um, we like to think we got in just at the right time and that we really helped kind of build the Tampa Bay beer community um, from very, very little, very humble beginnings to where it's at now. Um, 
very excited to be where we're at as a company. We're now distributed in 22 states. We're the second largest craft brewery in the state of Florida. Um, we're right behind Yingling in that sense, and we're probably not catching up to the size of Yingling anytime soon. Um, but we're really, really excited to have helped build the community in the Tampa area and then to get the tropical, the Florida-inspired flavors and ingredients out to a, a, a wider market. But um, the highlight, you know, especially with what's going on with the hot forward beers these days, where that tropical aroma, that mango tangerine is up front, you know, some of the more classic uh, American hop qualities, that piney resinous, um, grapefruit quality, you know, it's in there, but it's much more about that tropical fruit quality, much more about the hop flavor and hop aroma with the bitterness taking a pretty big backseat. Um, it is dry hopped with a pretty significant amount of Simcoe. Um, but it was a beer that was um, first brewed in 2009. Uh, if you talk to Joey, the guy that started the company, in his mind, the brewery, out in Placentia, California, B-R-U-E-R-Y. Mm -hmm. That was really what he wanted to open up, which was a very just ambitious, no flagship, kind of brew whatever the hell we want, whenever we want. Um, second beer we brewed was Highlight IPA, and it took off in a way that nobody was expecting. So sort of shifted gears and said, you know what, if that's what people are looking for, let's let's brew more Highlight. So really the last nine years have been a story of trying to keep up with demand out in the market, certainly in Florida, and now to a, a wider audience nationally and internationally. So we're uh, we're in a good spot these days, for sure. Uh, so, Neil, is your uh, beer available at Tropicana Field? Absolutely, yeah. We've got it on draft. We've got 16-ounce cans all over Tropicana Field as well. Um, we're, we're lucky at Tropicana Field. They have really invested in especially the local craft breweries. There's a ton of local craft at Tropicana. Um, I'm lucky enough I get to travel a lot. I go to a ton of ballparks and – I, I can tell you, we're lucky in Tampa. Some of these other ballparks, you have to look real hard to get craft in general, let alone, you know, half a dozen craft brands. So we're, we're lucky in there. But you can get High Lie everywhere. You can get Invasion Pale Ale. You can get Guayabera. Uh, you can get, Inva uh, I'm sorry, Our Lager. And the uh, Florida Cracker, the Belgian White, at Tropicana Field as well. Unfortunately, for the uh, if you're a Tampa, Bay's, Ra Tampa Bay Rays fan, this year you can get a Tampa Bay Rays uh, baseball player in every stadium in the in the major <laughs> leagues too. The way they've been moving players, yeah. Just about, just about. You know, it was. I, I was sad to see some of my personal favorites head out before the trade deadline, like Chris Archer and Wilson Ramos. But um, you know, it, it is what it is. We were able to get some good prospects and some pretty decent folks. You know, in the meantime. Um, but yeah, that's uh, typical for the Rays. You know, don't get too attached to anybody playing any season because they're probably going to be gone. I, I get a kick out of uh, your general manager, uh, Eric Neander, and I'm wondering what is it about this bromance between Jerry Depoto <laughs> of the Seattle Mariners and Eric Neander? Uh, I think they've had since 2015 nine different trades involving 29 different ball players. Wow. Yeah. Um, they, they must be looking at the same information or the same players or something. Coast-to-coast uh, coast moves, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they've probably got somebody looking at those same, you know, uh, bizarre saber metrics with, uh, you know, five different letters squished together that you and I have a tough time wrapping our heads around. But, yeah, um, yeah like, like I said, with the Rays, you get excited about a team. And the, the disappointing thing is they really put a solid team on the field 
year after year. I mean, they're not a bad team at all. They're over 500 at this point in the season. Um, but then they just kind of sell everybody off and blow the whole thing up and try to put it back together again. Um, so it's, like I said, it's tough to get attached to anybody. I yeah. think what, what Kevin Cash has done there this year, he's got to be, in my opinion, the, the manager of the year, being able to get to, like you say, 500, you know, in the East with uh, with as much change as he's had. And plus what he's doing uh, around his pitching, uh, the rotation, the the relievers going first and sometimes. I mean, it's pretty pretty impressive, and that's probably the most uh, exciting thing about watching the Rays right now is just seeing what he's going to come up with. I 100% agree. I think he's definitely, you know, cut from the same cloth as Joe Madden, where nothing is sacred. He will do whatever he needs to do to win a ball game. And you look at the results he's had with the opener position. Um, it's it's impressive. You know, they they've been keeping their staff ERA really really low since they instituted this back in May. And um, yeah, it's it's interesting if they could, you know, score a little bit more. If they could get on the right side of some of these one run games like last night, then. Um, they'd be in a much better spot. But, again, you know, like you said, in, in that division, they could put a killer team on the field and they'd still be, you know, in, in best-case scenario, nipping at the heels of the Yankees and the Sox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, you know, on behalf of – I'm a Minnesota Twins fan, Neil, and uh, we unfortunately picked up Logan Morrison, and I think he's got about a, a buck eighty-eight batting average right now and less than 20 home runs. So he's been a – that was a, a wise move by Tampa Bay, not to not to sign him at least. Uh, so, the ma- I think you're right though. The general management, the, the management team down there, they they've done really well both yeah. on what they've been able to put on the field year year in and year out, and the decisions they've made. You got to be very you know, impressed it's, by it's it. It's really strange talking about Logan Morrison. I mean, he had 30 plus home runs yeah. for Tampa Bay last 38, year. 38, I think. Yeah. You would think that uh, he'd at least have 25 or 30 this year. Uh, but, yeah. uh, and he's batting in the cleanup slot, and yeah. it's you know it's it's 0 for 4, 0 for 4, 1 for 4, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I know in May. Uh, yeah, the, I don't know. I don't know how much longer they're gonna keep him at in, in the in the cleanup spot, but he was. It was a little disappointing to see him go when when he left, but to, to your point, uh, no one's missing him at this point, certainly. Yeah. In May, uh, Seattle was able to pick up Alex Colomay and Denard Spann, and that was a great trade. That was a the, good trade, yeah. For the Mariners. For Mariners Some yeah. of the more recent ones haven't turned out that well. but You know, uh, you know watching Denard Spann with the Rays was a blast at the beginning of the season. I was disappointed to see him go. But um, he's, he's a really easy player to get behind just as a person, as, you know, an, an older veteran player who's been around the league for a long time and still gets out and really, you know, puts himself in harm's way to win a ball game. Sure. Um, I'm a big Denard fan, fan um, and, you know, wish him success in Seattle, certainly. And he does so many things off the field, too. That's what I like about some of these uh, veteran exactly, players yeah. that uh, – are able to put life in perspective and uh, give back to the communities that they're part of. Yeah, he came up through the the Twins organization. He, did. he was yep. a, a very fun to watch. I agree with you, uh, guys. Wasn't he a rookie of the year one year with the yeah. Twins, yep. I think? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember spring training a couple of years ago? He had a uh, foul ball hit his mom in the stands. I don't know. I, I don't remember don't that. don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was, I mean, she was fine, thankfully, but... You know, of, of all the all the spots to hit a foul ball, he ends up hitting his mom. She was she was fine, but it was uh, making a connection. You know? Yeah. Now, did yeah. you did you grow up in Tampa Bay, Neil? Or are you a lifelong uh, Tampa Bay Rays fan? Um, it's difficult to find anybody who's going to call themselves a lifelong Rays fan. But um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm from New York originally. Uh, grew up in Long Island. 
Um, grew up in the 80s in New York, getting behind those real crummy Yankees teams of the 80s and early 90s. Um, grew up worshiping Don Mattingly. You know, that guy to me is uh, still my favorite ball player of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, I, I like him as a manager. He hasn't, he's had, you know, little success here and there, but um, he's a guy I always just get behind it. Again, some of the stuff he does off the field as well is um, phenomenal, but, you know, Mattingly and Danny Tartable and some of these other guys in the early 90s on those Yankees teams. That's who I grew up with. Um, bounced around in my professional career. So I was in uh, New Hampshire for a number of years. Growing up a Yankees fan, I would never call myself a Rays fan. Uh, I'm sorry, a Red Sox fan. But um, this, this was back in 2004, 2005, 2006. So those were Red Sox teams that, again, were easy to get behind moved to Atlanta for a number of years, so I adopted the Braves as my NL team, and now, you know, Rays are, uh, Rays are my hometown team, so I go out and I support them and get excited about them. How, how did you get involved in uh, the brewing industry? Bartending, actually. It came in on the retail end. Um, in New York, I was bartending at a few places that had craft beer but weren't, you know, I wouldn't call them craft beer bars. And moved down to Georgia and found myself in a craft beer bar called Trapeze Pub that was ranked as the number 11 craft beer bar in the world at the time. And um, all of a sudden said, I, wow, I can make a living, you know, getting people excited about beer and talking about beer and learning about beer. So um, was able to come in on the retail end and then an opportunity presented itself with Cigar City back in 2014. So moved down here in 2014 and it's been incredible to watch the brewery grow the way that it has. You, yeah, I mean, you, you talked about uh, um, Cigar City, but up and down the East Coast, truly, you know, New England has always had it, especially in uh, in Vermont and Maine, but it's really spread up and down the coast now. And as we've looked at our, uh, you know, hop sales, the, the, the biggest part of our growth percentage-wise is far and away up and down the East Coast of the United States. And uh, it's people like you and others that are just making this really good beer. And what's exciting, and you coming from a bartending background, uh, exciting to be selling beers to uh, a new generation where they were either cocktail drinkers or wine drinkers before. And all of a sudden, you've got all of these very great hop-forward beers that are really attracting a new crowd. And obviously, as hop farmers, we love that. And, and But you're you're right in the middle of it. Absolutely. Well, really, I'm sure you guys can attest to this. It's the development of new varieties of hops and new ways to hop and different dry hopping techniques and, um, you know, the whole haze craze that's really opened a lot of people's eyes to craft beer that, to your point, were were not uh, craft beer drinkers previously. The, The whole move sort of away from these big alpha acid hops to the more nuanced hops that have these delicate flavors and express themselves with um, really such a wide uh, spectrum of flavors and aromas, that's really brought a whole new generation and a whole new demographic of people to craft beer, which has been amazing. You know, obviously, not taking anything away from the rest of the ingredients, but I think exactly what you said is, is on point, that hops are really what is uh, bringing in new people to craft beer. And, um, you know, it's nothing against wine or, or spirits or cocktails, but... We're actually finding that we're using, as bartenders or as people on the retail end, we're using that same language that sommeliers and that uh, vintners have used to describe great varietals and to describe 
um, wine growing regions, we're using the same thing to describe beer now. And I think that's absolutely important. It's just as nuanced, just as complex a beverage as wine or as spirits. And um, it's taken a long time, but I think we're, we're really moving to a spot where the general public sees it that way. Well, that's exciting to us, too. You know, we as we get to know more and more of the craft brewers and the guys creating these wonderful beers with the wonderful aromas and flavors, we find out that they're artists, and they're always looking for a new color for their palate. And that's the exciting thing for us, being connected with uh, breeding new hop varieties, is developing new varieties that give you guys uh, a little different uh, tool to use uh, to make your creations. And uh, it, it, it really gives us uh, more meaning to the work that we put in to uh, develop these new varieties. Absolutely. It's, it's the new stuff that's really getting people's blood pumping. Absolutely. Have you, uh, you'd mentioned you're in 22 states now, uh, Neil. Have you done any export business? And I'm thinking specifically of the Caribbean. Is that something that you've looked at yet as a, as a market for your beer? Sure. We've actually been exporting, let's not technically exporting, but we've been sending beer to Puerto Rico for um, a trickle here and there for a few years, but we've really kind of turned the faucets on in the last, excuse me, the last few months. Um, it's funny, actually, we used to do a series of beers called Hopped on the High Seas. So what we would do is we would send Wayne, our brewmaster, and some of our production guys down to a brewery in Puerto Rico. They would brew a pretty simple pale ale. It would be you know, base malt and maybe just a little bit of uh, specialty malt. Um, pop the beer in the kettle, obviously. After fermentation, instead of racking to a bright tank, we would rack the beer to a shipping container, to mm. a refrigerated liquid shipping container. Mm -hmm. We would dry hop the beer literally in the shipping container as the beer was being shipped from Puerto Rico up to Tampa. So that's where the name Hopped on the High Seas came cool. from. Uh -huh. um, it was such a weird, cool um, experiment for us. And we did a number of different hop varieties. We did Simcoe, we did Citra, um, we did a few experimental hops as well. Um, so that was a really cool story for us to tell to the craft consumers in the Caribbean as well. Um, the market's growing very, very quickly, especially with tourists, especially with American folks heading down to some of these islands for vacation. Um, the market for craft is growing quickly. We're starting with Puerto Rico because we do have a strong relationship with uh, with a wholesaler down there. And we're lucky enough, we've just recently hired an import-exports director. So really everywhere in the world is on the table. But, you know, we want to go somewhere where that's going to be receptive to our beer, certainly, and that's going to treat our beer correctly. You know, some of these places out in the world, they want the beer, but can't necessarily guarantee, or, uh, guarantee refrigerated storage or you know, the shelf life is going to become an issue. So we're trying to be strategic about it. But, you know, we're lucky. We do get to travel around, do beer festivals all over the world. And um, the name is out there. It's, it's uh, very humbling for us to go to places like Puerto Rico or to go to places like Russia and have people go, oh, yes, Cigar City, yes, I've heard this beer. Yes, JLA, very good, very good. Hey, Neil, I'm holding in my hand. You're, you're kind enough to send up some uh, – different uh, types of your beers and i've got your lager beer here and it says tampa style lager explain what a tampa style lager is all about oh we just made that up okay it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a real style it's, if you really want to split hairs it, you would call it a german lakes beer l-e-i-c-h-t yeah so very very similar to a pilsner very similar to uh, uh munich Hellas. 
but kind of right in between. It's not as uh, hot forward, not as bitter as a Pilsner, but not as malt forward as a Helles. So really right in between. Um, but all German ingredients with the exception of the water, German Pils malt, German Hallettauer hops, um, very just a crisp, clean, easy drink. And it says on the can, it's just, it's a beer made for drinking. You know, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. And I sent it to you guys because for me personally, that's the beer I want to drink when I'm sitting at a ballpark. I, I love Highline. And when I go to Tropicana Field, I usually have two or three, but two or three is about my limit on Highline, seven and a half percent alcohol. So it'll, it'll get you where you need to go pretty quick. Yeah. Um, it, but lager, four and a half percent, you can just crush those beers all day long while you're sitting at the ballpark. It mentions on the label some place called Bavaria. <laughs> where, where's that at? <laughs> some place called, I'm sorry? It's called Bavaria, I think is how you pronounce it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's um, it's an area of uh, Tampa, I, I think. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just, just, just no, manager. No, I joke, too. I'm actually going to be there next week. Uh, I've got some friends, uh, some hot friends in the U.K. area, and also in the Hollertau in Bavaria that I'll be visiting, kind of getting a feel for what the hop crop looks like uh, for this year. So uh, uh, there's some good people in that part of the world uh, producing some good hops. That's yeah, absolutely. Our, our brewmaster is going to be in that part of the world for a hop lot selection in just a couple weeks. So, yeah, um, yeah that's, you know, those German hops, that beer wouldn't be what it is without a German Hallertauer hops. Yep. Well, you know, the... Uh the Germans, uh, we've talked about this kind of, uh, not all, not all tongue-in-cheek in reality, the Germans were the original craft brewers when they made the law to say, you know, just just hops and yeast and malt and water, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was radical at the time. You the know? Yeah, with, with, without them, maybe we maybe Highlight would have bog myrtle in it, or maybe it <laughs> would have juniper as, as a bittering agent who knows yep yep no it's been it's been a journey and that's the thing to remember it's a, it's a constant reinvention or a reinterpretation of uh, what it means to be craft so it's pretty exciting well neil thank you so much for uh taking time to be with us today uh we really appreciate this uh, it's great beer we wish you uh great success with with cigar city and uh the continuing evolution and uh, development of the beer scene and not only Tampa Bay, but uh, Florida and throughout the Southeast. That's pretty exciting what you guys are up to. We're, we're just thrilled to be a part of what's happening with craft beer, especially in the Southeast. And, um, you know, really without blowing smoke up your butt or anything like that, Highlight wouldn't be what it is right now without YCH Simcoe and that dry hopping regimen. So um, keep doing what you're doing. We're, we're, we are where we are because of what YCH and what these different hop purveyors are doing out in the field. So thank you. Thank you for Th- that. Thanks, Neil. Uh, keep uh, keep watching baseball. Keep <laughs> making great beer, and we wish you nothing but good hops. Either way. Uh, likewise. Thank, thank you so much. All Go right. Rays. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what you find next week, Steve. Uh, you know, we've, we're getting more reports of uh, certainly the Czech Republic. Uh, there's more talk of the crop being down there. Yeah. Starting to be a little bit more concerned in Germany now. Uh, just reading today that there was some bad hurricane winds in Germany and rains, and yeah. you know it's just a reminder that this is a agricultural product. And, it uh, it, it is. is dependent on weather. So it is, and I read an article today that the uh, brewers uh, in Europe and really globally are really uh, concerned about the European barley crop exactly. as well for yep. the yep. same reasons. Yeah. And uh, uh, from what I'm hearing so far, the hop crop. Uh, 
there'll be some early varieties that will be affected uh, and it remains to be seen uh, what the rest of the harvest will mean for the rest of the crop. Yeah, so barley, I mean, you know, we're, we're hops. We don't pretend to know a lot about barley, but uh, know enough to know that uh, you have three areas that are really affected. You have uh, the southeast corner of Australia and the Victoria area. Uh, you've had dryness in Canada. And we have uh, problems in Northern Europe, Scandinavia on, on, on the barley. And so, you know, we talk about hops, but, you know, the brewers are our, our partners and certainly encourage everybody to, to really talk to their, their malt suppliers as well and maybe take a look at getting some good coverage if you don't have it because yep. you can't do it without malt and you can't do it without hops. So, uh, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh going to go, uh, I wish I had a swimming pool to jump into, but at least we've got some good cold beer here and we'll try to keep cool on this 108 degree day. Yep, we've got one more day of 100 degree plus temperatures predicted here and then uh, it's supposed to cool back down into the uh, upper 80s and, and 90s, which is uh, a good temperature to be uh, finishing off some of these hops as we head into harvest here in a couple of weeks. Well, I've tried to avoid today talking about the, the week or the last 10 days the Mariners have had. It's been uh, not so fun for the last 10 days. Huh? It, it's been rough. The uh, The bats have gone quiet. Uh, we, we could possibly have seen uh, one of Felix Hernandez's last starts in, in a long time mm -hmm. be because of uh, the struggle he had uh, against Texas. Uh, but... Yeah, we open a series uh, tonight against Houston, uh, one of the teams that we're chasing, and then we've got Oakland uh, right after that, another team we're chasing. So, <laughs> doesn't if, get easier. If they're going to gain ground, it's going to happen in the next uh, week or so. So yep. we'll see what happens. Well, there's still what 15 games above 500. I mean, it's still a tremendous year, and it, uh, just every every team needs a hiccup. And the Mariners have actually haven't had one. So, if you weigh out the averages, it was going to happen. It's just you'd rather have it early almost than late, but that's just still the way it is. 15 games over 500 with like a negative 19 run differential. Yeah. It just uh, it, it's one of those head scratchers, but uh, we'll see how we finish and uh, uh, see how this hop crop finishes. And uh, it's an exciting part of the year either way. As Napoleon said, you know, don't give me a good general, give me a lucky general, and uh, <laughs> hopefully the luck rolls the the Mariners' way here in the last part of the season. Yep. All right. Thank you. Thanks.